From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in bridled Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Mark LaCroix, and I too make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Alice Rupert, creative producer of Horse Tales, Emerald Valley Ranch, to discuss the taxonomy of horse games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Steven, I really thought you were going to do a horse sound. No, and no. I was like, then I'm going to have to say something about how I don't want to do a horse yeah. sound because I'm not going to do one. Yeah, I figured this would but be But then a- you chickened out, which saved me from chicken. I didn't chicken out. I decided not to do it. There's a whole super cut of me making meow noises, and I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so, anyway. The listeners demand it. Welcome on to the show, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> You don't have to make any horse. We like to set a, set a tone here. Yeah. <laughs> which is the, wait, uh, what have I gotten myself into right at the beginning of it? Yeah. Show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, like, uh, it, I, I'm here to talk about horse games. Like you're trapped in here with me, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I love that energy. It's <laughs> great. So for folks who don't know you, and as I, I would say you are, if not the, uh, uh, one of the preeminent experts on horses and games, mm-hmm. um, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, about you and how you became uh, the preeminent expert on horses and games. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So, I mean, it turns out if you pick a small enough niche, it's really easy to become the expert on it um, <laughs> because nobody, like, it's not like there's competitor horse game websites that I'm like, like that I'm out there um, competing with. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, my, uh, my horse game interest comes from uh, it, it, for most of my life, having liked horses and having liked games. And eventually I was like, what if we put those two together? Um, but, which wasn't always the case. I used to think that nobody in my games environment cared about horses, but then like turned out that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and people actually do care, and I've found a lot of people who also care, and um, I've built up communities with thousands of people uh, who care, and um, so yeah, that that's that's been working out great. Um, I launched the Main Quest, which is my website about horses and video games, um, in fall of 2018. It's M A N E. It's a horse pun. Um, I sometimes need to say that when we're audio only. Um, I, got, I got it. Did you guys get it? I did get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and after after a few years of running that website, doing that commentary, um, I, I write reviews, news analyses, and, and like developer interviews. Um, so after a few years of doing that, um, when I started looking for like when I quit my my last job um, as a also as a game producer and uh, was looking for new things. Um, it actually turned out that I became a horse game producer because uh, one company that had a horse game in the works uh, was interested in, in in working with me and in um, yeah in in taking me on as their as their horse game producer person. <laughs> so that worked out pretty well. Imagine ha- having that that tiny niche and then there be a company looking for exactly that. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. It's uh it, that that was definitely really really nice. I mean. Um, I, I always, um, I always need to remind people that it's, it wasn't just, it wasn't just talking about, um, talking about horse games a lot that, that got me into where I am now, but combining it with my also relevant, like game dev and, and game producing experience, of course. Yeah. It's probably a bad idea for a company to say, we need a nerd about something. Let's find a nerd. 
but what they actually should have been looking for is a, a, a producer who with that interest. And that's what you are, uh, even though I think probably yeah. the, he- the headline is that you, you know, you know about horses, but that's actually not your professional experience. <laughs> it's your yeah. producer. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like if you hire, if you hire a, a dedicated nerd, you'll probably need to rein them in a bit and, and <laughs> like have a, have, a, have a producer who manages the nerd. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I get to be both of those things in one. She did another horse fun. I just want to point it's pretty that good, out. Pretty good. Pretty <laughs> good. That is impressive because they're all flying by me. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting. I mean, I feel like that's like almost an entire conversation on its own. Um, but like, it totally makes sense that it's not just about having expertise and interest in the area, right? Because there are tons of horse nerds out there, right? It's being able to communicate the things that are relevant about that interest and from that interest and from that discipline into you know, things that can be worked with in the game space. That's, that's like, that's the niche niche is that, that little, the little slice of the Venn diagrams, the huge, interesting like game development and so on and so forth. Lots of people do that Mm -hmm. huge, you know, group of people who are interested in horses, tiny group of people that do both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and especially also like being sort of being able to tell, like, I mean, I, I see that a lot in, in my own communities, basically, like when, when I ask, um, in our in our Facebook group, for example, where the the, the level of, of nuanced conversation isn't isn't quite as high because it's Facebook, um, <laughs> they like if you ask there, like what should horse games do differently? Like you get all like you get responses like, well, I just want an MMORPG that does this and that and this mm. like that's hyper realistic in every way, and then it's just like, yeah, we're about a factor five hundred away from that in horse game budget. So yeah, um, <laughs> right, calm thyself, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I don't know when I look at what horse games get wrong and and what they do badly. I'm I'm able to point out pretty precisely what should have been done differently. Um, not that uh, not that I'm always right about that, or not that my suggestions would always make a, a perfect game or anything. And um, obviously, in my own making horse games, I've also made mistakes that other people have reacted to similarly. Um, but uh, I do think I'm I'm, I'm giving uh, like. Thanks to my background, I'm able to give relatively precise feedback um, and not just say like do better yeah that's so what's really interesting about that is the sort of the role of the critic versus the role of the producer mm. and because you're both you 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 have a recognition you recognize the the burdens that the other one carries and that's that's a pretty interesting thing that i think a lot of people who are uh i mean i think a lot of game developers become game developers because they think they could like they they're they're unhappy with things that games do, and they want to try it out for themselves or do right. something better. And that's not always arrogance, right? Like mm-hmm. Sometimes that's just criticism, and that's just I want to, now I want to make and, and something that that reflects something that I would uh, you know uh, uh, find better. Yeah. Um. But then at the same time, I think once you are in that position, you kind of have to take off your critic's hat a little bit, um, or at least maybe. Uh, uh, I'm losing the metaphor here, but <laughs> but you do have to recognize the, the the burdens that the other one carries. Yeah, right. right. And I, it, it, this your description of there seems like a really good uh, distillation of that kind of dichotomy, that that conflict almost. Um, that it isn't, you know, the 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 critic isn't always going to describe the perfect result, and the producer isn't go, mm. isn't always going to satisfy the critic. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that either yeah, of them totally. is wrong necessarily. Yeah, right. That they both have a role to play uh, in advancing the conversation. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, now that we've established it's, your bona fides, I think uh, Stephen has one big question for you to oh, start us off. Oh, I'm the one asking it. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. What is a horse game? <laughs> I need an answer. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Let, let me let me get started. Um. So, what's interesting about this question is that it's a bit of a um, 
it's it's a little bit of a trick question because Dang um <laughs> what I said <laughs> one I got him. <laughs> one possible answer one possible answer that I could give is like a horse game is a game where you inherit a horse farm mysteriously and you need to build it back up by caring for horses and participating in competitions with them mm-hmm. and like um t- t- training your horses to to do that. I know a game like that. Um yeah, <laughs> that's because that's every horse game, um, and um, including my own, by the way. <laughs> um, and that—that uh, that is like that is definitely that's not a wrong answer, but it does sort of misunderstand that, um, like the way we by we I mean the community of people who talk about horse games, um, the way we use the label horse game is sort of by conflating. Uh, a, a, thematic content with genre which mm-hmm. is not actually really accurate mm-hmm. um because what we really like what i described the, the this type of horse game is it's more like that's that's sort of like a, a farm build up uh life sim kind of thing um that goes into like a similar uh similar kind of genre something like stardew valley or harvest moon um but that's not actually all that a horse game can be um because we call anything a horse game if it's focused on horses really um, and uh, so there we go with with like what I consider or what I would say is is the more uh, the 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 more accurate answer to the question of what is a horse game. A horse game can be anything as long as horses are a really really central part of it. Um, to the point where like most of your interactions in the game deal with horses or or have something to do with horses, and those interactions can include like bonding with horses, caring for horses, training horses, breeding horses, riding horses, competing with horses, um, exploring a world on horseback, um, stuff like that. And of course, some games that we wouldn't call horse games have some of those elements, especially exploring a world on horseback is something that's featured in a lot of games. Um, But the difference is usually that they have a lot of other non-horse related mechanics and that the horse horses in them are not particularly complex or varied or something so mm-hmm. that that would be my that, that that's what horse games are mm-hmm. got it that is a good answer <laughs> well i think there's a there's two parts to it right there's the there's the the it needs to be about horses not right. just have horses yes mm-hmm. but then the, the you described at the top that the, the genre being so conflated frequently with what the sort of more generic uh generalized term that you had and um, that sort of has a lineage with like uh, Pokemon or, or similar right. things, right? Mm-hmm. And, but um, I, I'm I was not familiar with that there being such a specific uh, genre of like you know uh, horse maintenance, raising the, the the farm and all of that. But that is a, a large enough. Uh, there's enough titles in that genre to that that's what people would commonly conflate that with. Um, so that also actually there's really like that the people people who. Or like a lot of people recall a horse game that they've played somewhere. Like they yeah. they recall a horse game like Barbie Horse Adventures or like mm. My Horse Farm or, yeah. or something like that. Um, but what's sort of <laughs> what you don't realize unless you start looking into it uh, more seriously is that there's literally hundreds of those, um, and that um, yeah they have a ton of overlap. A lot of them are really really similar in terms of feature lists and in terms of um, yeah. Plot that basic yeah, descriptions yeah. I just gave. Yeah. Um, and um, there was a bit of a there was a bit of a like there was sort of a golden age of horse games at the mid two thousands where you literally had like um, I don't know I think uh, we had like two hundred releases in that decade and uh, a lot fewer um, since and mm-hmm. before. Um, 
that's based on the horse game database that some people are putting together. So there's no accounting for it being complete. It's a community project. <laughs> we're working on it. Um, and uh, once you look at a lot of those, it's also like they they have so much overlap in feature lists. They have the, every title sounds similar. Um, you can't pinpoint which is a specific game unless you literally, that's why we need the database because <laughs> it's so confusing. Otherwise, like we, sometimes you have the, the same game released under multiple titles in different uh, on different platforms or in different countries, and uh, sometimes even different games published under the same title. It's it's a whole mess. Hmm. It's a whole mess. But yeah, no, there's 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 really there's a niche. Um, there was a, or like there's a significant market niche uh, to the point where it it was quite a boom in the mid two thousands, and it's slowly slowly start, starting to resurface under different conditions and with different players yeah. so to say i wonder if that's um i'll let me posit a theory you let me know if this makes sense to you that mid-2000s era that's the big double a playstation 2 era yeah right where games could be made that didn't have to be triple a they could be made relatively affordably but they weren't cheap games mm -hmm. and there was a lot of those and this seems like a genre sort of perfect for that and then now the resurgence might be attributed to that game production is democratized. There's much more indie development back into that double A space. Does that sound? Does that make sense? It, it, I think it's a. It makes sense as a theory, but I don't think it actually applies here. Oh yeah. Uh, because the so I do think there's probably there were probably PS2 horse games, but that's that's not really the like the the majority of these titles back in the day was actually PC. Sure. Um, and the the market were or like the the specific or like the slightly larger market niche that this was about was edutainment software. Oh. So, um, like, uh, games aimed at kids um, specifically to teach them about a thing. That was This was also, this was also just the point in time where um, sort of, like, traditional publishers, not even traditional game publishers necessarily, because these are usually, like, it's most, more like from for example, book publishers branching out into into software uh, types like that. Um, publishers realizing that uh, young girls were a relevant gaming interest to be capitalized upon, that they had nothing to play and they would play whatever shit you gave them. <laughs> and um, that was a very successful successful business model for a few years until, like I said, they had hundreds of games at the same time and none of them actually offered something more. So instead of like there being one or two still big successful games, all of them stopped selling well because they were all so similar. They were uh, all mm. tiny in scope. Like these games, these, uh, we're talking games that were made um, usually with like half a year of dev time or something like oh, that wow. mm -hmm. uh, in that era. Um, and uh, the vast majority of the time, they were made by people who didn't know the, anything about the, the subject matter. Like they just received the task, like make a make a horse game on that budget, um, and they did it because they had just enough of a profit margin that they could make their actual uh like passion project afterwards right um or yeah they, they did a lot of these a lot of these like work for hire tasks in order to finance uh finance project that they actually wanted to make yeah. um so uh it wasn't it, i i say it was a golden age because it's where we had a lot of a lot of titles yeah. but um it was very much quantity over quality mm -hmm. and um a lot of that's also sort of why, or that that's also part of what what sort of motivated motivated me to to do all this because I had one game that I loved as a child. Um, it's called My Horse Farm. Um, and when I later, like a few years later, I I went to check back. Like, is there something new like that? Is there something like I'm sure there's something better now, right? 
And uh, there just never was. And if once I checked back as an adult and realized, like, how is this still not a thing? Um, I started looking out and like looking deeper into why and, and how that happened. I love that um, we're getting into the yeah. real nitty gritty of of horse games <laughs> and the history of it. This is the well, what's fantastic. it's like I I had like a oh it's kind of like this and I'm like way off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that's, yeah. that sounds like the, the, but that's this, this golden age. It, it it created a culture. Yeah, right. And that's the thing is like when you make assumptions about like oh I kind of understand this I I get it right. Mm-hmm. You can be completely off. Yeah, because that culture becomes really really specific. Yeah. And so the, the the needs of that culture become sort of inscrutable to people outside of it. Yeah. I I um am curious what has changed. I realize that you know it's a, it's it's easier than ever to make a video game. So I imagine that a lot of people who are interested in uh horses in in video games are making them now. And I imagine so that's a factor, I'm sure. But like what has changed to make horse games more popular as a game now versus uh the past 10 years? Um, so I think it's uh, it's, a, it's a combination of different factors. So we, we really had a, a sort of a, a drought of horse games between, like, I think about 2010 to 2016 or so. We had very uh-huh. few things coming out. And then actually one of um, one of the one of the things that changed was um, the company that I nowadays work for, but I wasn't there at the time, uh, Azure Interactive, mm-hmm. um, developed the, the first Windstorm game, which is like a, uh, a game based on a like book and movie series um, about a troubled teenager befriending a wild stallion and she's the only one who can ride him and they have to win the big tournament to save the barn that sort of thing um, okay aka every horse story ever but yeah. Um, yeah. it was very successful um uh and i think that movie released in i recall right 2013 the game came a few years later when um more uh like more the movie sequels were were coming out and um the first winstone game had the advantage of being literally the first horse game to be released in like just very much one of the like the, i think the first one in, in quite a while mm-hmm. um and um thanks to it being made with unreal engine it looked really impressive um for a 2017 small budget game um unfortunately in my opinion the horse is by far the thing that looks the absolute worst about oh, it no. um, so that's why i didn't i i yeah, I I ripped it apart on my website before I got hired by them. So like, they, obvi- they obviously thought I was making some valid points. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, I ripped apart two of their games, and they still went and hired me. So, um, uh, but it, even so, I mean, Windstorm, uh, like the first Windstorm game was re-released uh, recently, like uh, re- like new new editions, or uh, so to speak. And um, uh, it's still it's still selling well. Like kids are still having fun with it. So um, obviously, I'm I'm being a bit critical for that game in particular. Um, but uh, that definitely cost uh, some some stuff because uh, yeah, it, it was a big success based on like based on the movie franchise on the one hand, but also based on just it being uh, the first thing the market like this market had in a while. So that then inspired more like traditional kids game publishers to pick up on that subject again, mm-hmm. um, which led to a few other series being revived, like My Riding Stables and uh, the new Horse Club Adventure series. And um, there was a new Spirit video game from the spin-off series, Netflix series. Nice. Um, it, it's a it's a combination of several factors. There's also the fact the fact that Star Stable Online has been going strong throughout all this time. Like that game launched in 2011 and is an MMORPG aimed at girls 8 to 18 on PC, and they've just been going strong since uh, over a decade and have like 
half a million monthly active users, which is like wow. they, they play in the big league of MMORPGs, and yeah. most people who care about MMORPGs have never heard of them. Wow. Um, those factors coming together. And, of course, as you mentioned, the democratization of games in general and the growth of indie games. But what's interesting is that that democratization has been happening for a while now. Right. And indie horse games are actually like the first of what I would call indie horse games uh, are really just getting released. Uh, one of them last year and uh, two or three more this year. And mm-hmm. that's really that's still something pretty new. So like mm, this. Sure. This this niche has been slow to pick up on that, and uh, but it's 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 we're getting there. It's getting together. Mm-hmm. And I would like to imagine that my very very conscious efforts of bringing this community together have also had an impact on like mm-hmm. more people realizing that this market exists. Yeah, I was thinking. I was just thinking about that because um you, because you are such a great communicator and you're focused. Um, I don't think hyper focus is quite the right word, but like you are focused on this niche. Um, yeah. No, Not- hyper focus is fine. Okay, <laughs> hyper focused. Probably <laughs> hyper focused on horses. Got it. Um, understand it completely. I completely understand and relate. Um, but yeah, not only are you talking in, in your um, discourse about what's missing, but also you're talking about what needs to be done in order to fill those gaps. And so I think you really are kind of like holding a torch in this dark, you know, dark part of the forest, like just showing showing what might be out there. And people can grab onto those possibilities and and um, run with it, canter with it, gallop with it. Um, <laughs> that one I got. <laughs> I was pretty heavy handed with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I try. I try. Definitely. I mean, it's always much easier to say this is what needs to be done than it is to actually do it. Sure. Um, but I do think that I can to some degree inspire and to some degree also just like congregate our interests as a niche. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that is really useful because five years ago, if you wanted to make a game like that, you would have had to do a lot, a lot more market research. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, that you can just read my website where I do all the market <laughs> research for you. Um, and I mean, not not that that replaces it completely. Obviously, you still want to know your competitors yourself, and obviously, mm-hmm. you still want to um, look into what your audience wants, and not only trust me about it. But I do think I I give a lot of valuable starting points. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, like. I think on on our podcast we talk about how ideas are valuable, but like it's it's only the starting point, right? Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> it takes it does take time and it does take effort to get the exposure needed to different ide- to different topics and different ideas to spark you know a winning concept yeah. or the beginnings of a winning concept. And so, you know, being able to have a dialogue with other people in a community of interest um, is going to kind of distill some of the best ideas. Um, that are part of that dialogue and that will give you like a head start like you were just saying a head start on um, the entire process from ideation to execution um, versus if you were trying to do it all in yourself from scratch totally yeah. makes sense yeah i think so or i, I hope so i mean i, I know that there's there's been a bunch of game developers who have like thanked me for my work and told them that like they were able to use so much of my research and and like uh one reason the one recently released mobile game called Star Equestrian was actually um, they were super uh, s- super cool and and like explicit about like oh yeah we used your list of what not to do in horse games and then we made sure not to do that and then we took your what to do in horse games and we saw how we could apply that to our project and like surely I didn't initiate that project and uh, I'm sure a lot of factors went like they made a horse game before and they learned from that and they I'm sure they they 
they built their own business case, but mm-hmm. still, it 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 feels like it very much feels like okay, okay, I'm I'm getting I'm getting heard. And yeah, that's that's also really just really cool for me, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Say, it's got to feel great, making a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. get to be that sort of a nexus point between the the culture, the community of the people who play these games and who have the interest in the subject matter. And then the developers who are kind of like wandering around, not knowing what to do. And so they just do what everyone else has always done. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and because that community is so niche. And I want to ask you, is is a lot of that attributed to the sort of undervaluing of women gamers? Because I could see that, I mean, the game development community has so few women in it. And so do you think that contributes a lot to the fact that these games tend to, were sort of cookie cutter because they didn't necessarily have that, that expertise and perhaps that expertise came from that audience which it was largely female i definitely think gender and and sort of like uh expectations uh, about that play a big part in it mm-hmm. so on the one hand you have sort of the misconception um or just the general impression like i think nowadays everyone knows girls play video games i think that's yeah. not really news anymore um but at the same time um you think that sort of uh, i think everyone underestimates that horses and games are both huge enough as hobbies that mm-hmm. there's like that the overlap is a valid target audience for mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. um and because because yeah people think horses are for girls and games are for boys very 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 broadly speaking obviously yeah. that's that's a huge simplification mm-hmm. um but um i think that's one aspect i also yeah like definitely um the, the likelihood of uh, somebody pushing for for horse games, someone investing in horse games, someone actively making horse games, like yeah, I think I think that would be um, those chances would be higher if we had anything close to like a, an, an even gender split in this industry. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's definitely one of many factors. And one other thing that I've also written about on my on my site a few times is that like we're we're getting used to the ideas that girls and women play games, but we're still sort of um, Games as a medium are still only, only very slowly discovering that um, they don't need to shy away from femininity either. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, like, um, you have games with um, games with strong female characters uh, are, are fairly common and mainstream nowadays. Finally, um, but you still have you still don't have like AAA games dedicated to traditionally feminine coded interests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we get Red Dead Redemption 2, but not Barnaby Horse Adventures for a multi-million dollar budget. Are we recording? We are recording. Okay. I've been thinking of a buy our shirt, everybody. <laughs> wow. Buy our shirt, everyone. <laughs> There you go. No, Ellen's got a meeting she's got to get to. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, okay. We gotta I'm trying to make this pitch quick. You got to do this quick. All right, T-shirt. It's got our logo on it. Logos look really nice. It's a nice soft T-shirt. Um, It makes a great gift. Have you bought it yet? Have you bought it yet? Have you bought it yet? <laughs> Have you bought it yet? Steven. Nice, nice games at club, club slash shirt. shirt. <laughs> um, Those are all the talking points. Handled. All right. Do, 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 okay, go, go, go to your meeting now. <laughs> Unless you have more to say. I feel like I should. Uh-huh. But...
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm glad you brought that up because I one of the questions I had um, with respect to horse games, this is an un, I, I'm not a, I'm not an animal person, <laughs> so uh, this is an unexplored field for me. Um, but I'm curious the difference between a horse game and a game with horses. Like I played Breath of the Wild, like most people, I guess, um, and that game has horses. But I'm assuming it's not a horse game just because like the horses are kind of a means to an end. Um, but I, I'm curious your thoughts on like Breath of the Wild yeah. versus versus Barbie Horse Adventures um, versus Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, so generally, I mean, um something something that I sometimes see people in the community uh say like a a way to word it is like sometimes people will come in and like, "Oh, have you heard you can play this as a horse game?" Um <laughs> and I think what that tells us is it's a it's a question of focus. Yeah. So okay. like is is Red Dead Redemption 2 a horse game? I don't know. You can play it as one. Um because like yeah, obviously we know that like the 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 um the non non cheeky answer I would give to that is no. Red Dead Redemption is primarily a shooter game. Mm-hmm. Um, it has it prominently features horses, but they are not the absolute focus of the gameplay. Um, but Red Dead, of course, is an example where um you have very like uh, very detailed horses. Like there's there's no yeah. other um no other games with horses that has so many uh, horse breeds, horse behaviors, animations, um, horse variety, oh. um, all, all of that. So that's that's pretty unique for for Red Dead Redemption, which is actually probably the closest uh, the closest to that overlap of uh, horse game versus game with horses. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, you also have a, a bunch of others like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, um, also past Zeldas, of course, like uh, like Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess, yeah, um, and and games like The Witcher and um, Ghost of Tsushima is one that I was just looking into, and uh, so the games like that, like those, fall under what I would call games with horses. Um, that I also sometimes review on my website, um, but um, yeah, I think it's 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 primarily a question of focus. Like, okay. mm-hmm. are they a central part of? The, are the horses a central part of the game? Can you do anything with them, or are they basically just um, item that makes you go fast, um, or are they? Um, like, can do they behave like living things, or do they just stand forever? You leave them um, until you're mm-hmm. ready to move on. Yeah. Um, can you pet or feed them? Which is actually something that's super rare. Why would you include an animal and not let me pet it? Like, it, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> it took it took a it took a re-release of Witcher Three to add horse petting uh, as an interaction, which that's, is just like that is wild. It's 2023. We've got can you pet the dog? Like it's almost mandatory. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so it's so obvious, isn't it? Uh-huh. And, and yet, and yet uh, so many horses in games cannot be petted. Um Yeah. Horses so, like being petted that, often. <laughs> that is a that specific example of The Witcher. Yeah. It's really interesting cuz the thing I know about The Witcher from watching my wife play it is that every horse 
uh, Geralt names Roach because Geralt has no emotional connection to the horse. Oh. Essentially. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that's, that. But that's... No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Anybody okay. who says that is unable to read subtext. Ah, um, okay, okay, because... okay. So beyond subtextual, so... I guess. And so I, I guess. As, as, a, as a Witcher fan, I must object. Um, because this is, this, is like, this is like if you summarize The Witcher by saying, um, oh, yeah, the, the Witchers don't have emotions because Geralt repeatedly tells people that he doesn't have emotions. Like, no, it's a front. They, they right, tell right. people that in order sure. to protect themselves because they're a vulnerable minority. And um, the same the same applies to horses. Like, yes, he names every roach, every horse roach, but he does deeply care about them, and that is part of the books, and that is part of the games. Not so much. I think that is a lost uh, a bit of a missed opportunity. Sure. But okay. um, he gives them all the same name because he cares about every one of his roaches. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, I guess the point I was trying to make... <laughs> sorry, is... sorry, I had to yell. No, I, you know what? I, I deserved it. <laughs> is that that patching in that uh, petting the horse? I yeah. mean, now knowing that I'm wrong about the emotional relationship between Geralt and the many roaches, Yeah. but how much is that relationship with the horse uh, in service to the player who wants to pet every animal Versus the character uh, who maybe has a more complicated or a different relationship with animals, right? So how much is uh, a ho- games with horses, what's that, what's that threshold, I guess, between like catering to what a player wants to see versus what the story uh, allows for right. or has room for, Yeah. right? I think in a good game, there's not a clear distinction between that. Yeah. Like, I mean, if, yeah. if uh, I mean... In in horse games, so to say, you have you have sort of um, you either have a blank slate character who's just a, just a stand in for the for the player without a lot of agency on their own or without a lot of like narrative weight. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, they're pretty much the same anyway. Like yeah, then you just let the player play uh, player pet the horse because they want to. Right. Um, and even in games that have like sort of more defined uh, characters, um, in horse games, the fact that those characters love horses and care for them is sort of that has to be part of the narrative. Yeah. Um, th- th- though that being said, a horse game about a character who hates horses would be hilarious. I would love it. I would be here for it. Starring Steven. I'm going to need to write write that down and put it on my horse games that should exist list because I love it. It would be so funny if you like just started out totally hating horses and then as it, only as you play, you start unlocking interactions with them. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. uh, skill tree is just start... how to pet horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or just like, you're, I don't know, maybe you're afraid of them or maybe yeah, you, yeah. you just hate them. It, it, that would be hilarious. I, I would be here for that, but it's unfortunately not something we uh, we have yet. Um, and uh, but but anyway, I think that that uh, that sort of that sort of blends into each other. And in in games like uh, in games with horses, where you um, uh, where the characters, um, the characters' affection, affection for horses is not necessarily, um, I don't know, a focal point of the narrative. Sure. Um, I still think it's it's not it's never it's never a conscious distinction. So, mm-hmm. what, for for example, in um, in Ghost of Tsushima, that game goes quite far to make to give you the feeling that the character cares about his horse, right. um, and it still misses out on those opportunities. You still don't have a petting interaction, and you still mm-hmm. don't have any opportunity to to feed your horse or to um, uh, there's th- there's definitely some details that are that are cool and that that like for example a cutscene where where the character sort of sleeping uh, leaning onto the horse stuff like that is very cool, um, but still not giving the player any uh, any interaction uh, options um, that I just 
I think the reality of that is just that it gets deprioritized. It's just like yeah. it's it's seen as fluff content, and mm. um, you can only do so much of that, and it tends to get deprioritized probably during development. Well, you yeah. you had described horses a lot of times in like games with horses in them as like basically item make player go fast. You know, um, mm. it's not it's not it, it they're not the horses themselves are not like entities with their own agency mm-hmm. and things. They're just methods for the player to get from one point A to point B more quickly than if they were to just walk mm-hmm. or fast or, but more interestingly, if they were than the, if they were to like fast travel or something. Um, so I imagine that's how a lot of developers treat horses in their games as well. Um, which is you know, like, you, like you said, it's unfortunate because like, I think that a lot of players would appreciate the ability to feel closer to, um, the animals that they're around and interacting with regularly um like they do with the characters uh, with I, the I would also say it hugely depends on the game sure. like uh, there's definitely there's definitely games where it's perfectly fine that the horse is just power pants so to say like that's yeah. the, that's perfectly <laughs> fine that doesn't fit that, that doesn't fit every type of game mm-hmm. um but there there are a non-zero number of big triple a action adventure games where um the horse actually, like, where, where you have a horse and it actually plays a role in the story um, and you actually have textual attempts at making or, like, uh, like you actually have text implying that the character cares for their horse, but no mechanical um, right. approach to that. So yeah. I do think it, it, it really depends, but yes, there's definitely a lot of games that could uh, that could strengthen that, uh, that emotional impact that they have yeah. um, by doing more things absolutely the 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 example you brought up ghost of tsushima um i because i i think i watched somebody play through it i haven't played the game myself um but like i watched it and there's there is a lot of narrative importance to um i can't remember the main character's name the main character's name's horse (laughs) um that uh like but it isn't really expressed in gameplay um in a way that would really make certain narrative events more impactful and more important if there were more interactions that you could have with the horse and yeah yeah like you said it's a lot it's a missed opportunity because i think that like that could have made that could have made a really significant like impact on play well, it makes those those narrative connections yeah. it 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 makes them not as interesting or robust in the game but also it 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 serves to um basically put the lie to them right yeah. And I and I think that that in cases where you can just abandon your horse anywhere and then whistle and the horse is there again, yeah, like basically says that that you don't have to care about the horse, but right. then in a cutscene you seem to care about the horse. Like yeah. that's that's a it's not just that they didn't add that those features. It's yeah. that by not including them, they're taking something away from the narrative. Yes. And the, the one example I don't know why I thought of this. The best example of this is Super Mario World. Oh, where you oh. you ride Yoshi <laughs> yeah. and then you jump off of him and let him go down the pit. Yeah, that's like. But yet we're supposed <laughs> to believe that Mario like loves and cares for the Yoshi's. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's a, that's a meme, right? That yeah. like that that Mario doesn't love Yoshi's because look at how he treats them. Right. And that is was not intended by the developers. Yeah. But that's the consequence of the, of not of not thinking about it mechanically, even if you really you know hammer home the story of that stuff, right? right? And uh, developers also, can learn from not just how games treat horses, but how a- any topic mm-hmm. that is narratively uh, uh, robust but mechanically convenient. Yes. Rather than you know, it's develop. it's also it's also a question of like where where do you really gain enough um, by by making it mechanically relevant? Um, mm-hmm. Because the example that you name, like being able to whistle for your horse everywhere, um, I I know why this happens, and I don't think it's necessary. Like, I, I don't want to like I don't my campaign isn't 
you should not be able to whistle for your horse in games that you should have to take them with you like no that that's fine i i, I also i also realize that fast travel exists for a reason right yeah um, yeah <laughs> and um but but i do think there's there's more approaches to that like for example um one 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 such thing is um this is a one of those indie horse games Rancher River Shine is actually doing that where you can whistle for the horse but the distance over which you can call your horse depends on your bond with your horse uh-huh. and in order to strengthen the bond with the horse you need to care for them and pet them and uh, ride with them a lot so at the beginning your call distance is really limited but eventually you'll be able to call them across the whole map and I think an approach like that is something that would, um, yeah, yeah, for example, uh, make sense. By the way, also since we talked Witcher already, um, it would have made so much sense if while you're on the islands of Skellige, when you whistle, you d- you get a different roach because that would have made so much <laughs> sense. They literally just had to re, <laughs> they so would have literally just had to reskin the horse, and it would have made so much more sense for Geralt to just without anybody commenting it have a different <laughs> roach on Skellige than on the uh, like on the mainland. Yeah, um, yeah, because- yeah. He arrived there without a horse in a cutscene. We all saw it. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a vital like those that that concept <laughs> that that the bond and then that idea for Witcher. Like it's it doesn't always have to be um, an expression of like realism. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. about connecting yeah, mechanics exactly. to narrative in a way that feels real. Yeah. That 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 and that's because I think probably I'm guessing a lot of developers who hear uh, complaints from niche communities mm-hmm. probably too easily dismiss them because they're like we're not going to make everything as realistic we're not going to you know that's not that's an unreasonable demand yeah but that's not the demand that's not the right? demand right yeah, right yeah and uh to sort of to um to jump into that one as well i don't think that us niche horse nerds are the only ones who profit when yeah, nerd, yeah. Uh, when game devs do do this topic justice um one example that I uh, I've, I've made that on uh, somewhere else before, but um, Shadow of the Colossus is, is is one game that um, like your horse is your only companion in the whole world, right? Yeah. And um, the the narrative is aware of that and makes use of that. And so, like the the example that I made before was like imagine imagine the the lack of emotional impact of a scene towards the end of Shadow of the Colossus. Um, if you'd just been able to pick a new horse wherever you went, and the horses were just meat motorcycles that you just like yeah. um, <laughs> picked the new picked picked up a new one of at every corner of the world, like yeah. that, that. Anyone who's played that game can can now understand, like, oh no, I see why the horse needed to be a character and mm-hmm. um, like look the same in all the in all the um, in all the scenes and cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think a lot of that applies too, like. That that sort of and Ghost of Tsushima actually also does a few things very right when it comes to that. Um, where sort of, for example, the fact that you can pick your own horse and it's then uh, your own horse's name and it's then the name is then voice acted is such a detail that like that gives you a personal a more personal connection than if it just had one canonical name or if it was just called horse. Yeah. And um, and details like that improve the experience for everyone in in my opinion. And I think that that also like a, a good a game that treats its horses well is more likely to get non-horse enthusiast player interested in uh, in, in horses than it is to scare anyone away. Yeah. And um, for that, actually, one other one other example is Red Dead Redemption again, um, where um, I know of people who have not cared about horses before in any way, who were then suddenly like debating like. Oh no! If you if you ride Arabians, they they spook at everything, and they they totally run around. No, I prefer draft horse because those are actually calm when uh, <laughs> when when you sh- 
when you shoot guns around them. And like, not gonna say that's entirely realistic, but it it has a foundation in in like in reality of mm-hmm. uh, like sort of high strung uh, thoroughbred horses being a little, on average, a lot more jumpy than uh, calm draft breeds. And it's yeah. uh, so like. Good games about horses can get people interested in horses, and mm-hmm. um, the, the, the sort of the sort of average gamer dude who plays Red Dead Redemption is not actually going to be scared off by horse details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's like As how um, you know if you get into a game um, and you start getting immersed into its world and stuff because you're just really into it, you start learning about stuff that you never had no intention of learning about. I think that would yeah. apply. That applies exactly the same way as you're describing with horses. Exactly, yeah. Like I imagine. If I had played The Witcher and they put a lot of attention into horses, I might start being like, oh, well, I want to get I want my horse to move faster. So I'm going to start thinking about how this horse works. Oh, I got to feed it more. OK, what kind of what kind of food does this horse like? You know, and I start thinking about it. And pretty soon I'll uh, be looking into getting a horse. myself. <laughs> I don't know. I well, mean, that seems unrealistic. It's not, me, I mean, it's but... not necessarily like a a, a, um, a stealth way to get yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Horses. Well, it's, gateway. It's, to, it's to use horses <laughs> to provide a richness of the story. Exactly. Right. And the more the more sort of like. Found the more the foundation of that is yeah. in is more robust and is in realistic depictions or metaphors, mm-hmm. the better that experience will be, and that will be expressed by you knowing more about horses and yes. maybe more interested. Exactly, but that isn't the only benefit to you. No, absolutely. Right? Well, as a result, the gameplay and the narrative uh, is richer, and you, you mm-hmm. it's just a better experience for the player. Yeah. Um. So, like you know, these those little details add up. I think mm-hmm. they're important to to, totally. to think about. And and I understand that not every game who have not every game that happens to include a horse can can put as much uh, like focus on it. Of course, I sure. I it, this may be surprising to some people, but I do understand that not everybody cares as much about horses <laughs> as I do. Um, but uh, I, I think as soon as as soon as uh, the the horses and the horse riding have a certain amount of focus in the game, you kind of um, I don't know, you kind of owe it to your players and to your audience to take it at least somewhat seriously. Yeah. Um, which, for example, Red Dead obviously did, um, and I think more games could profit from. Not mm-hmm. to the exact same degree, but just in some ways, with some small interactions, with some attention to detail here and there. Yeah, and, and avoiding those... I mean, I think this is enough where, like, just avoiding the don'ts can be helpful, too. Uh, like, the example you gave of Shadow of the Colossus, that game is mechanically rudimentary. Yeah. And this relationship that you, the, the, the interactions you have with your horse in that game are mechanically rudimentary. And yet you cite it as an example of like a real good tie with the narrative and mechanic. And you're totally right. And so it's not necessarily a more is better. I mean, more is better works, right? <laughs> like in some context, yeah. but there isn't one solution for all types of games. No, totally agreed. Yeah. Totally agreed. That's also, that's also one part of like something that I find so interesting or, or like um, that I, that I also actively go look for in my, in my commentary is like, I, I realize it's very too easy to just uh, point at games and say you need to triple your horse budget. Um, <laughs> that's not really that's not useful. Yeah. Um, and uh, so what I do like to do is like offer solutions where I know from a dev perspective that doing it right is more expensive than doing it wrong. You just need to know it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I think like that doesn't apply to all of my gripes with horses in games. Uh, a lot of it is also that people just have like there's a lot of a, a lot of horse animation in games is awful mm-hmm. and it often is um at least some of the time it's because IK is hard and doing yeah. quadruped mm-hmm. IK with special rules for how a horse likes bend or don't bend is is extra hard. Um 
but there is it's also just a factor of like some sometimes it's really just as simple as knowing from the start what to do and what not to do and and uh that's that's where i hope to be really useful to be like hey this is easily avoidable so let's avoid it one of the things that i do want to ask about is the horse genetic system and horse tails sure i wanted to talk just broadly but it was like where did those ideas come from and what was it like just again high level working with a team to bring that into reality and where would a developer start if they wanted to do something similar so the genetic system in uh in horse tails is um on the on the one hand it's like i should i should add that uh this this started like the the decision to tackle horse genetics in this way was was made before long before i joined the project um, okay. i was mm -hmm. on it from the beginning i i joined somewhere on our like alpha uh game stage um and uh but the team had done their research uh at the mm. back in the back in the day and uh they knew that horse breeding games that featured realistic genetics existed but not like it wasn't a feature in any like 3d sort of adventure games mm. um and if you're wondering well where did they exist then uh the answer is a lot of static image browser games mm -hmm. and um just a few uh few smaller projects that don't really compete in terms of um in terms of scope or uh or overall like quality basically um so um the fun thing about like a lot of a lot of horse games have horse breeding mm -hmm. um because um and because somebody always inevitably makes dumb jokes about this, no, it's not graphic. It's local. You just you select a female <laughs> horse and a male horse, and you get a baby horse. Yeah. Um, for the most part, right. um, and um, so a lot of horse games feature some sort of breeding because it's fun to put a mommy horse and a daddy horse together, and then you have a baby horse. That's that's like um, I don't know. That's that's just something that that is that is a, a core part of uh, of these games because on the one hand. It's a fun way to improve the horses that you have, like mm -hmm. to get new horses. And it's also a fun way to, to see what you get. Like maybe I have two horses that you really love. Why don't you get one that's like that has the, the best of both their features, something like that. Um, and you need to have some sort of color inheritance mm -hmm. for that to be satisfying. Yeah, you yeah. can randomize it, um, but uh, most games that feature breeding have some sort of inheritance. And... Um, the 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 mean thing is that horse genetics are a really complex subject and yeah. it's not mm -hmm. actually something that even most horse riders aren't super familiar with that so like um people who just casually ride horses or even even some people who uh who own horses even some people who breed horses are not actually actually don't have in-depth knowledge of uh of how horse genetics work um because the like just you have a, a set of genes that horses can have, and the, those then define their their colors. Um, so, for example, uh, the the a combination of the so-called extension and ahuti genes is what makes whether your horse is a chestnut, a bay, or a black horse. Mm. Um, and um, I, I already I, I know I I lost three quarters of the audience already. <laughs> no, um, stay with it, you guys. But to keep it really, to keep it simple, <laughs> your horses have genes that define their color. And yeah. if you have a game that in that involves breeding in some way, um, it's 
depending on where you start, it's almost easier to do real inheritance than it is to invent a fake system of inheritance mm-hmm. yeah. that you then communicate to your players. Mm-hmm. So I tracked all that, <laughs> 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 which um, which is interesting. And I, the reason I wanted to talk about this just a little bit on the podcast, um, well, I want to talk about it a lot, but we're going to talk about it only a little bit on the podcast, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> was because I um, have... I am a horse enthusiast. I've owned horses. I do not own a horse now because I live in the city. <laughs> um, but I had no idea about all these combinations of genes and all the new ones that have been discovered over the last few decades mm-hmm. that kind of govern horse genetics. And it was when I got to that point in the game and I started um, you know, exploring the the different options around breeding that it actually sparked me to go on this huge deep dive into Wikipedia and different Google searches to figure out exactly how this works. And I found different like horse genetics color simulators and everything. And it was that moment in the game when they're like, hey, okay, so you can breed a horse by mommy, daddy horse, go to the stable and you, you know, wait for a day and you get a letter that you have a new horse. Or you can go talk to the vet and get genetic analysis of your horse. I'm like, what? What's this? (laughs) And, uh, you know, that just sparked this whole thing that took me onto this tangent. Uh, That was really quite a challenge um to put in front you know for the the development team to put it in front of itself no it, it was a challenge There's, there was also um pretty fundamental mistakes with the with the genetic system that we only <laughs> fixed a few months before launch mm. um Ooh, that scary. sort of went that <laughs> sort of went, well i mean more like how do um how do specific combinations look uh which is it, it's just something that like I, I found, for example, I found an error in one of our reference images, and I had to ask uh, the art team to redo several of the patterns. Um, like, um, because researching this is hard, even if you yeah. try your best. Um, it's very easy to get false info on what is that pattern called, or what is that, yeah. um, mm-hmm. what is that marking, what is that, uh, like, what is that color actually? Um, and so we actually, um, I'm really glad we managed to go over that again because it would have been it would have been a damn shame to have a system like that and, and not have it and like and then and then have it fall apart um under under scrutiny right yeah um so it's definitely very complicated it's also something that like um that also kind of shows how important it is that like this project had me as sort of the horse game nerd in chief and that still <laughs> slipped past me for a long time because yeah. it was just one of so many topics yep. to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also left me with a sense of like, okay, next time I'm going to make sure that everybody understands why that is not a buckskin and why that is actually like, why that's not, yeah. um, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And, and to, to, to make sure that you have several, many eyes on a project that can tell when something's wrong with the horses. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets back to one of the things that I find just most fundamentally fascinating, interesting, and rewarding about game development, broadly speaking, is the need to communicate really complex stuff across a whole bunch of different brains. Yep. Like, yeah, that's just such a huge problem. You know, it's like the problem. It's the most fundamental problem about humans, right? And yeah. it's like right there front and center with game development. And if you can figure it out a little bit, you have a cool product that you can play, you know? Like, yeah. that's cool. Um, but also from a player's perspective, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you and the rest of the team went for it because it's, you know, it's made me even more of a horse nerd if that was possible. <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. I love that. I love to hear that. Cool. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, in in the future we're we're gonna have like horse nerds popping up saying like 
horsetails and rolled valley ranch what got me interested in horse genetics like Aww. because that that's there's a possibility of that happening and i would love that <laughs> yeah for sure that would be that would be amazing you got it one at least <laughs> exactly so count start it there we go <laughs> steven where are you along this journey oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> you heard the word bay and buckskin and chestnut those are all horse terms yes good job <laughs> i did it we there started. you go i learned <laughs> and i guess that's a takeaway for folks who are like i don't care about horses i care about x or yeah whatever. and like you know that's that's you can be that person mm-hmm. right and whether that's yes. within your own project yes, or within your own community or if you have the ambition and the capacity to be that for other people um the way that alice has um, you know, go for it. It's, it's, you can, you can make those changes, you know? Um, but you kind of do have to be a nerd about a thing first before you can, yep. uh, sort of, uh, get that going. And there's a lot about there's trust to communication. And it's a whole thing. It's like really yeah. what Ellen was saying. It's just, it's all these different brains and you have to get that, so those ideas across different mm. ones and so you have different brains. motivations and, uh, you know, different concerns. And, uh, it's not a simple task. No, it's not a simple yeah. task. I think what you just said, it's, uh, it's funny, like that, that sort of like, be that person about something like yeah absolutely um i sometimes when like sometimes in reaction to my my general horse game nerdery that i do everywhere <laughs> on the internet um i sometimes get a reaction like uh i don't care about horses like should i start analyzing i don't know this and this aspect of games in in so much detail and i'm always like yeah yeah obviously mm-hmm. like I, I, I would like games to be held to a higher standard in as many areas as possible. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If I don't know if if your deal is architecture and you're upset about how um, I don't know how buildings get time periods of uh, their settings wrong or whatever, like yes, make a blog about it. Start mm-hmm. start being as annoying about your hobby in games as I am about horses and make a change. I would love to see it. Oh my yeah. goodness. Dale should make a blog about game geography. You know, it's wrong. Yeah. She, she could, she could <laughs> she do it. Could do what have you done, Steven? <laughs> Put that idea out into the world. No, I love that. I love that energy because yeah, there's just so many things that we as developers, I mean, myself included could improve on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just getting, getting immersed with the idea of something in that passion um, being clear in your game. Is it, it's very apparent when somebody, even if they get something wrong, like they, you can tell that they were really trying and they were trying to make mm-hmm. this, yeah, I, I, I experience as best as they could for you. Like you can, you can feel that. Mm-hmm. So like I think if if you as a developer, even if you're not as interested in horses, if you have a horse in your game, look into it some. Think about how how you can make that experience for the player mm-hmm. better, and know that Alice will be on your case. Yes, because <laughs> right. I, I think that's the thing about games and this is probably also true of other types of uh, of general fiction mm-hmm. uh novels and, and films is when you put things in them you the author the developer the filmmaker the whatever you are yeah. like you cannot be expected to be an expert on every single thing yeah. no right way. there's an efficiency involved mm-hmm. but if you put something in there you are then putting a burden on your project to represent that thing and and you know maybe you're not going to get it 100% maybe right. you don't have to get it 100% but if you don't care about it, if you don't care that you treat it well or that right. you get a, you know some sort of consultant to help you out uh, on that thing and it matters in your story, then that hurts your story. Yes. Whether the readers, uh, the general readers or, or uh, watchers or players of your work uh, care about it either, yeah. right? It's, when you're, if art is about trying to say something mm-hmm. and when, the th- when what you're trying to say includes incorrect or, or uh, uh, casually delivered or, or, or uh, you know, glib material, then it weakens your overall message. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's 
that is a, a fundamental terrible truth about being an artist yes is that that burden is on you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's why if you're that nerd you can be that person and then if developers know that those people are out there that, right. that one their resources but they're also their check valves they're uh you know they they can they can also make sure that the people who don't take the care those people can be you know either uh notified and corrected mm -hmm. or if they're stubborn and truly don't care they can be evaluated based on that mm -hmm. yeah right? Yeah, and I think it's not just about right. It's not about it's not about dunking on people who aren't executing well, right? Yeah. The whole point is like creating those kinds of sites and and communicating your passion and your knowledge out to others, even when that comes in the form of "Hey, I played this game and it didn't quite land on this point for me." It really is. I think it's good when it's not in the spirit of "Hey, we're all improving together." Yeah, because like you said, Mark, you know, like you were saying, Stephen. You can't know everything. You just can't. But that's why we can communicate with one each other because we can we can help yeah. each other others understand. And so I would even say, you know, kind of as maybe one of a closing thought here for me at least is we have this question about how would a developer get started making horse games or a game with horses. And under that, I put read Alice's website. But also, <laughs> I would say read Alice's website um, even if you're not at all interested in putting a horse in your game because. The, the depth of the analysis that you've put out there um, and the way that you've communicated, I think, is is something that is a good example for a lot of other people mm -hmm. to, to look to and follow. Even if they're talking about, like, different types of recyclable plastics and have nothing to do with horses, right? You know, like, whatever their thing is. <laughs> it's a good example. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, and if you're, of course, this is also where I have to shamelessly that uh, like if you want to make a game with horses in them and you're not sure about which uh, mistakes not to make um, mm -hmm. do reach out um, I do I do help um, I, I do um, I do try to help uh, like on, on just a casual email basis <laughs> and I do also offer consulting if you're if you're more, more yeah. serious about it so yeah ideally folks who want your expertise should be reaching out and they should be paying you for your expertise but of course you've kind of outed yourself as someone who will give some <laughs> And you know that's the, that's the burden of being interested in yeah, that's is that true. you do want people to know. Yeah. So yeah. uh you know uh if folks take advantage of that know how privileged they are that Alice is out there giving you that information. Um but if you want more pay her. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So if someone were interested in learning, you know, in consulting with you or just reaching out for a line or two of advice, um where can they find you on the internet? They can go to themainquest.com. That's M A N E and um they can also, uh, it, it, fun fact, if you Google horse game expert, my name shows up. So oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, Easy so enough. You nice. Can, if, you don't, if you don't remember my name or my site name after this, you can just Google that. Um, it, 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 that's, that's a fun thing. It's, it's, it's really hard to avoid me if you look into horse games. <laughs> <laughs> you will find her. She will find you. <laughs> yeah. That's our show. For show notes and links from today's conversation, as I just said, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter and Mastodon at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets and toots about game dev resources and pricing your game. We like hearing from you, so tweet and toot back, or email us, contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. You should know that by now. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just swing by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be looking at the psychology of animation and the rule of threes. 
But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Um, and I can rephrase this question in a more podcast listener friendly way once we jump back into the <laughs> jump back into it. But yeah, I wanted to talk just broadly, but it was like, um, I don't know. I think yeah, came sure. out, it actually came out okay. Maybe we'll just keep that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm editing this one. I, I can I can figure it out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Quick time check. Uh, we are at forty seven minutes. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, let's maybe do a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I definitely, I definitely have more. Like, uh, I, can, I can just keep going. I, I wanted to give you all a chance to to, to ask what are you actually interested in. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.